Welcome to the Space for Sisters podcast. We are a wellness podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire Black women to dream, decide, and do what's necessary to live well. I am your host, Dr. Dominique Pritchett, and today I am joined by Tamala Funches. Hello, Tamala. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to have you here. Before we get started, let me introduce Tamala. She is the owner of Revitalize Me Mindset and Wellness Coaching. Tamala's education and life experiences have driven her passion for the well-being of women. She strives to support professional women with transitioning from imbalance to fulfillment and harmony. Welcome again. Thank you so very much for that introduction. When you hear the three words, space for sisters, what does this mean to you? When I hear space for sisters, to me, it means a sisterhood. I have one sister, but we grew apart. And so we're not close at all. Like, if you really don't know me, a lot of people don't even really know I have a sister. That's just how separated we are. I'm the little sister. She's the big sister. So I've always longed for the love of my sister. And I have tried in many different ways to foster that relationship just through the years, I have come to the realization that's probably not going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to be in my strength. It's going to be in God's strength. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about the blood ties, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. It's just Mm -hmm. about the relationships and the spaces with people who really care about you and you can foster a genuine relationships with. So, Yes. In an ideal world, we will want the blood sisterhood. But for many of us, I'm sure y'all can relate to this if you're listening, that might not always be the case. And the fact that we get to immerse ourselves in spaces and environments with women who want to see us win and you hit on the genuine connection, because you know when it's not genuine. You know. (laughs) You know. Mm -hmm. Today's we will be chatting about the power of hard conversations. What made you focus on this in your work? Very personal for me. Um, I already shared a story about my, my relationship with my sister and even having a hard conversation with myself. I always found myself trying to reach out to her. I've always felt myself being disappointed. I've cried about it. I've complained to my husband about like it really is a point for me my husband's like you just might have to accept that it's just what it is even having a hard conversation with myself about how not to let that keep me from doing the things that I desire to do because it has hindered me Mm -hmm. when you grew up with my only sister my only sibling and to be in in a space with her that's not genuine i had to have that hard conversation with myself like she's your sister but she's not your sister Mm. and have to cultivate relationships outside of my family to build that sisterhood and i think about even my my conversations with my husband they met my husband when i was 23 years old and i'm 45. we've been together for 22 years married for 17. Just throughout the years, of course, I've changed, he's changed. I have had to have these conversations with him as far as I'm not the little girl that you met in 2000. I'm not the same little girl that you met. I'm not naive. I have desires. I have dreams. I, my self-worth is different. Throughout our journey together, it, it, it was rocky. So where at some points it was like, do I even want to be in this marriage? And we were together for 13 years before we finally got pregnant. I had to have conversations with him many times about how I'm changing, how I'm feeling. 
And sometimes it was tough. He didn't want to hear it. It feels uncomfortable. But you have to have those hard conversations with your spouse, with people in your profession, and with yourself. Now, Tamla, let, let's take a step back. Let's pause because you've, you've shared so many important layers to relationships in general and that self-discovery journey you went on. I can imagine what that experience was like because you want to stay aligned with the person you're in love with, but it's a matter of, do I stop growing because they want to hold onto the vision of who they thought I would stay as? What needs to be considered as people start thinking about having hard, powerful, uncomfortable conversations with their loved ones. And this could be friends or family. I think the main thing that needs to be considered is the result you're looking for. What are we looking to achieve by this conversation? It's not just about having the conversation. It's about we're trying to get to a result. I'm having this conversation for a reason. Thinking about that, where am I trying to go? What do I need to happen in this situation? Sometimes you're going to have to compromise. Sometimes it's non-negotiable. This is what I need. This is what I'm saying. Do you understand? Because with you or without you, this is what's going to happen. And you have to be able to stand firm on my needs versus my wants, because there's a difference. I want this, but I need this. I'm not going to go without my needs. My needs are going to be met. And what is the result I want? Do I want to foster this relationship and make it work within my needs? Or am I willing to let it go if I see that it's just not going to happen? The main two things are what is the end result that I'm looking to achieve and what are my needs in this situation? Yeah. I love a good alliteration or I love a good acronym. As you were describing what needs to be considered as people uh, start thinking about having a higher level and powerful conversations with the people that have proximity to me, I came up with the acronym POWER. What is the purpose of your conversation? The purpose aligns with the expectations and the results. O is openness. You got to be open about what you're holding, how it's impacting you, because we harbor so much that it comes out as resentment and folks didn't even know they were impacting you that way. Exactly. That's the thing. (laughs) W, what are my options? Okay. We can explore options where we're having powerful conversations in terms of how do I want to have that conversation? Sometimes the power of having hard conversations is not having it at all. It's not our job to block people of their opportunity to be resilient and handle our conversation, but we do need to be considered and empathetic to where people are. Then we have E, you talked about the expectations. What are my needs versus my wants? Lastly, what are the results? What are the results or outcomes I'm looking for this conversation from? I hope that acronym kind of gives you all a transformational way to take what Tamala is talking about The conversations have to take place, but consideration that they may not, but many times they do. What are your thoughts about that transformational way of looking at having those conversations? I love the way you just came up with that acronym so easily. (laughs) That was beautiful. All of those things are true. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I'm thinking about when I hear you say being empathetic to where they are, you know, where that person is, the conversation you're going to have with them. I almost feel like I'd have to bring it, not to offend, not to discredit, you know, who they are and where they are. I feel like it's important as women that we have to let our needs 
take precedent over a lot of things. I feel like in my own life that I have allowed other people's feelings to take me out of what I needed. Right. It caused me to suffer, mm-hmm. like mentally suffer, emotionally suffer. I agree with being empathetic, but I also feel like empathy can only go so far. People who know you, I feel like they use that to try to keep you from having those conversations. A lot of times they already know. What you're deciphering between is the difference of empathy and discernment. Discernment is, I know you are good at manipulating me, so I'm having it anyways. It sounds like through your emotional experiences, you've really leaned into discernment of, I got to elevate my voice because if I don't do it now, you will constantly present reasons for me not to. Yes, exactly. When you were in that emotional state of not elevating your voice, not having those conversations... What did that look like and feel like for you? I'm going to directly relate this to my marriage because I think that's the closest relationship that I have for so long. We've been together for 22 years. And when I was not speaking up for myself, I was depressed. I was depressed. A lot of times these feelings of depression and anxiety, it's because we are suppressing our needs and what we want. When you do that, your body's reaction is going to be anxious and overwhelmed and all these different emotional roller coasters that we take ourselves on. I found that once I start releasing those things, and again, my husband didn't like it. He did not. He was like, what's going on? Why are you saying this? I'm like, I have tried for so long to do what I feel like a wife should do in a way that I feel like a wife should act, but it was not working for me. I literally found myself having like panic attacks, not wanting to get out of out of the bed sometimes, just feeling like this is just too much. But I had to think about it. I'm like, what is too much? Like, what 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 am I saying is too much? The more I started to reflect on it, the too much was too much of me not being me. It was too much of me not being me. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. It's like so many layers you have to peel back and you don't just boom, throw it all out there at one time because it's too much people to handle. You have to start finding those little inklings of your voice and then put that out there, let that sit, let them mull that over. All right, we got through that part. Now it's this, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? There was something, we're working towards it. You always have to to continue to find the, the strength to put on a layer, a layer, a layer until you unfold and find your yourself it was hard and it was ugly and i was already depressed about being infertile we had unexplained infertility that we went through for many years and that was a depressing state i couldn't have that and me wrapping myself up in a box all at one time it, it wasn't good. one of the things i want to go back to you stated that you were focused on what a wife should be doing mm. we know shoulding It's an unproductive thought process. Mm. It keeps things spinning. It keeps you stuck and it keeps things suppressed. Many folks live in the should versus the reality. The best way I've learned to explain shoulding and how that gets in the way of us living our best life as our best self is it's a dream. It's a fantasy and a desire that we want for ourselves and we want for other people. That's not the reality. You talked about infertility. That is a intimate and deep conversation even within yourself. What was the narrative that you needed 
to own, to come to terms with that? It, it was hard. I got married when I was 28 years old. We started dating when I was 23. We got married. I always knew I wanted kids. And I told this to my husband, like, I've always saw myself as a mother. I never saw myself as a wife. I didn't want to get married. I never, I wasn't one of those girls that was like, my wedding is going to be so beautiful. And no, all I know is I wanted to have kids. And I didn't know what else. I didn't, I just didn't know. When I got married, of course, the natural progression is you get married, you have kids, and you do the things right. We tried. We tried. First couple of years. I was 28 when I got married. I said, if I don't have a baby by 30, I don't want any kids. Okay. If I don't have a baby by 32, I don't want any kids. <laughs> 32 came and went. I'm like, okay, Lord, if I don't have any kids by 35, this is it. I, I'm not dealing with this anymore. 35 came and went. I did not have my daughter since I was 36 years old. During that season, it was such a dark season. It wasn't until I let go. I had to literally just release everything. I said, you know what, God, I'm good. I found myself not able to live in the present, worrying about my this future, something I wanted that I didn't have. But I could not enjoy the present. I was drinking a lot. The holidays were terrible. Everybody's with their kids. I was miserable. I tried so hard to put on a brave face. When I would go out, people couldn't tell that something was wrong, right? We do that. We know how to wear the mask. When I got home, my husband felt the brunt of it. That's where I was in my space where I can just let all the anger. I was so hurt and so angry and so bitter. Like it was nasty. Also, you were really triggered when you saw women with their kids. And oh my gosh. Being invited to baby showers and oh, oh girl, it was, it was terrible. Here I am 30, 30 plus years old with a husband, with a house, with a career, and it's not happening. All those things brought me to a space where I feel like I can just be myself because I feel like I went through the storm. It's no holding back at this point. I wasted a lot of time. I'm telling you, I wasted so many years, girl, that I could have been just enjoying my life. You're you're talking about the reality uh, of shooting is time is wasted. I live by the motto, live out loud and do what's mm. necessary to live well. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So you leaned into letting go. And I heard God a few times. So definitely your faith. What were some of the other things, other people you leaned into to help you throughout that period of your life? I leaned into my wellness. I said, I'm going to focus on me, on what's best for me, what's best for my body, what's best for my mental, what's best for me. I changed my whole life around. I started working out like five days a week. I was eating healthy. I was drinking water. I was practicing so much self-care. I spent a lot of time in quiet. I just spent a lot of time on me. I wasn't doing that before. I, I really leaned into myself, honestly, because I didn't have anyone. And it's very isolating. When you don't have children and, and you're married, it's so isolating because people do not understand. People say things, y'all don't want kids? Y'all don't, it's like, girl. First of all, those weird conversations, I feel like we're definitely probably hypersensitive to within my yeah. culture and my family, especially as a young adult. And it was when you get married, when you having kids, 
Oh, you getting thick. Like those are not conversation starters. Like they're too damn personal (laughs) and hurtful. Very hurtful. It can be very isolating when people, one, don't know your infertility struggles, but also for the women that's out there, like, well, I'm not ready to have kids or I'm okay that I don't have kids. That can be isolating as well when everybody around you is doing the total opposite then expecting you to do the same and you're like the outlier. I'm thinking about like women who just legit don't want to have kids or it's just okay with them that they don't have kids. And people try to make you feel so guilty about your decisions, right? Kids are expensive. It's a lot more things I can be doing with my time. (laughs) You know, it's just so many reasons to not. It's the choices that we buy into in society of what is expected. You do A, B, C, D, E. And we do the same thing. That's how it is. You go to school, you go to college, you find a husband, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, you retire, it's the on and on and on. Thank you for uh, normalizing that. It's okay that you go on your own beaten path. I know many single Black women, they're like, I don't want the traditional route, or I'm okay with being a mom without being married or having a partner. We have the freedom and flexibility and the resources to build the lifestyle we desire. And if that involves being a parent without that other parent figure, this is where community comes in. I know many people would disagree with that, but that is the choice of other people. That's right. For women that have never had hard conversations and hard in the sense of ones that have needed to take place for a long time with themselves and other people. What is one thing you would encourage them to do in preparation for that conversation? Ooh, that's a good question. I I like to do a lot of journaling. Like I, I, I write a lot. One way you can prep for is to just write your feelings out first. Write it down, because sometimes when you go in in the heat of the moment, it comes out either scrambled and is not understood, or you're angry and it becomes an argument or something that you didn't intend for it to be. You wanted to say something that you didn't get to say because you forgot it was just in the moment. You know how it is. You're in the moment and you're like, oh, I should have said X, Y, Z. You know, it's hard to go back and say, oh, well, let me come back and tell you. <laughs> and one more thing, I would suggest write down your feelings, write down your thoughts and kind of organize it like an outline. It, it can cause relationships to break up. It can cause family division. It, it can really be something major. Don't just go in there and freestyle it because it's too much at, at stake. Mm-hmm. Some things you might have thought you wanted to say, but then you scratched, no, I don't want to say that. That's not necessary. Go back to the empathy. You don't want to just make it so raw and think about what is necessary to say and what can I maybe not say. If I say these things, I'm still getting my point across. Absolutely. I would definitely agree that journaling is a powerful form of communication and preparation. One thing I find that journaling allows me to do is sort out all those feelings so I can identify the most emotionally intelligent or EQ way to navigate that conversation. You all have heard me mention several times what EQ is or EI, emotional intelligence, but it's the ability to understand and manage our emotions 
mm-hmm. and when we're around other people. Now, mm-hmm. for black women, I want you to really take note of this because manage our emotions. I know we are sick of managing in the more Eurocentric way, and that comes with stereotypes, but understand and manage your emotions so you come out intact. So you have the ability to self-reflect, self-soothe. Some things I want you to consider, five of the common components of emotional intelligence as you're journaling. Process, what is my level of awareness? What are my thoughts, my feelings, and my motivations going back to what you were talking about um, earlier? What are those outcomes? You got to have some awareness so that you can show up as your best self and most productive use of that conversation. What is it that you're going to need to self-regulate? That is the ability to regulate your emotions, control, stabilize, ground, and take action no matter what environment you're in. So often, we as Black women are code switching and we're not mastering the foundations of what we need to regulate because we change into wherever we go. Empathy. We've talked about empathy already. It's the difference of, you know, letting people walk over you or letting people manipulate you. Empathy is the capacity to appreciate someone else's perspective. Here's the thing. Not everybody's going to like the conversation you're going to have. Not everybody's going to like you for having it. I can appreciate that you don't like those things, but you ain't got to lose yourself in it. Number four. Decision-making, a component of emotional intelligence as you're journaling. Tamla really uh, encouraged that intervention to prepare you for this conversation. Decision-making, the ability to make responsible choices and accept their outcome. Writing it out allows you to see it from an eagle eyes view. Now, if I go in there and cut up like this, they probably fire me. If I go in there and talk to my spouse or my partner this way, mm, chances are it's not going to go well. And lastly, social skills, being able to create and maintain healthy relationships, not just social and verbalize, but hold space, which is what Space for Sisters is about. I know that was a mouthful, but I really wanted to elevate Tamala's encouragement to journal it out, but using those five components of EQ because it is time we speak with intentionality. We speak with purpose and not diminish our voices no matter what room we're in. Many times we have a few or only one in the room. We can be the only ones in our families. Your husband said, why are you asking those questions? Why are you doing this? I'm doing it differently. So thank you for that. Anything else you would like to share about the power of hard conversations before we wrap up? I want your audience to know that it's, it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm going to reinforce that it's difficult for you, the deliverer, to understand it's going to be difficult for them, the receiver. Most of the time, when you are having to have this conversation, this has been an ongoing situation. Not a conversation about who left the bread out or who didn't take the trash out. <laughs> I'm talking about those conversations that can have you turning your back on your spouse in the bed. What I have found that once I started opening my voice, it brought me and my husband closer together. That's the beauty of it. It's going to repel or attract. We have conversations regularly. It has broadened our communication. It has given him the space to have tough conversations with me and made me look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, uh, you didn't tighten up too, young lady. You know, what's going on with you? It's gonna either repel or attract, and that's okay. You want the ones that are meant to be out to be out, and you want the ones that are meant to pull 
and to draw closer. So that's the point mm-hmm. of the hard conversations. Not to isolate, not to judge. It's just, this is what I need. This is where I am, what I see, what I don't like, and where I'm trying to go. Can we do this together? Or are we going to have to take a moment and then maybe if the stars align at some other point, come back at another point in time? I'm going to bring to a relationship with my sister. I have had tried to have conversations with her so many times. She's just not ready. And I have to accept that. Even if she's never ready, I have to accept that. As much as it hurts, I have to accept that everyone is not going to be ready. The necessary is the necessary. Thank you so much for allowing us to better understand your relationships, the journey you've been on. I'm grateful for the time that you have spent here. You're inspiring. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Dr. Dominique, for having me. I have been looking forward to speaking with you and it's all love. Yes. Please share with our audience where they can find you on the socials and in the world. I am Tamala Funches of Revitalize Me Mindset and Wellness Coaching. I specialize in teaching women um, emotional and mental wellness strategies so they can get out of their own way and live a more fulfilled life. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at liveliferevitalized.com. You can go there and you can schedule a consultation with me if you would like to work with me further any products or um, other services you would like to highlight? I'm starting a group coaching program. If you're in the Houston area, I'm going to be hosting many wellness events this year. My first one coming up, I'm so excited. It is Meet, Munch, and Meditate. I'm going to be hosting a guided meditation session. I'm so excited about that because for me, it's all about the release and the receive. The more you release, the more you receive. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, download, and share. Got a topic you would like us to cover? Don't hesitate to send us a message. We welcome you to subscribe to our email list and connect with us across social media platforms to stay in the know about Space for Sisters.